Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Get Connected with Nina Del Rio, a weekly conversation about fitness, health, and happenings in our community on 106.7 Light FM. Good morning and thanks for joining us on Get Connected. Institute for Community Living, ICL, is a nonprofit human service agency serving thousands of New Yorkers with transitional and rehabilitation services, and they have just opened an integrated health hub designed for areas of Brooklyn with some of the worst health outcomes in the city and the least access to care. We're very excited to find out more with ICL's president and CEO, David Woodlock. Thanks for joining us. Oh, my pleasure, Nina. We're also going to talk about the connection between physical and mental health and how the treatment of mental health has changed. You can find out more, too, at net. So ICL serves over 10,000 New Yorkers annually. Who are most of your clients? Well, we're in all five boroughs of the city. Um, most of the people, I would say, have uh, rather extraordinary challenges in their lives and are our sort of uh, operating principle really is people get better with us. So an awful lot of uh, extremely vulnerable people with lots of life challenges uh, come to our doors. And, uh, and when we part company, um, most all of them are doing a lot better, I'm proud to say. Before we get into details about the hub, which is brand new, one of ICL's achievements was to create the country's first residence designed to reunify homeless mothers with serious mental illness who have been separated with their children, who has been separated from their children. ICL really has a, has a track record of thinking big. That, that's what that seems like to me, David. I, I think that's true. Really grounded in, in I think, uh, an approach which I have to say is very different than the way uh, an awful lot of government funding tends to work, uh, trying to respond to what we see in everyday life. Um, government too often, and, and I'm a recovering bureaucrat um, of state government myself, so I, I can speak honestly about this. Too often government starts a, a program uh, and then builds funding and regulations around it and in an odd way says, uh, we believe it'll work, I hope it'll work, and good luck, rather than uh, I, I think what ICL is trying to do over the years is uh, look at what people need and, and how we can put uh, services and, and supports together for people to help them get their lives back on track. So as you've put together the hub, the hub is on Atlantic Avenue. It's the first of its kind in the nation, a $30 million, 40,000 square foot facility. This is a big deal. Who have you sort of partnered with to figure out or how has the, the work at ICL sort of come together to determine what's going to work there? Well, it really is a big deal, and that uh, there are a couple of questions there. And some of our really important partners, and I think one of the unique uh, uh, aspects of even the very beginning of the program was a partnership with the Primary Care Development Corporation, uh, which is pretty unusual for a behavioral health organization to get uh, funding supports in the in the form of tax credits. And I won't get into the the technical details of all that, but for the Primary Care Development Corporation to fund an integrated care approach, uh, being approached by a behavioral health Care agency was really pretty uh, unique from the outset. 
and, and sort of building on what I was saying a, a moment ago, we really met for probably two years uh, before the doors uh, of the hub ever, ever opened, um, met with uh, people in that community. As you mentioned, some of the uh, poorest health outcomes in the city uh, are, uh, are in that general East New York, Brownsville, and Cypress Hills area. Um, and by the way, those outcomes really include um, people's uh, psychiatric uh, disorders as well as their physical health challenges. Um, and that's been our our sort of uh, true north in, in a lot of our work for a number of years is, is uh, trying not to um, experience people's lives uh, just from the neck up or the neck down. You know, we don't, uh, uh, human beings don't exist that way. Uh, and uh, to the extent that uh, we can treat the whole person with a whole health approach, I think will make a whole lot more difference both to those individu- individuals and their families, uh, but ult- ultimately to helping whole communities really get better. Yeah, I want to get into some of that data because I think it's very startling in some ways. So the disparities that exist in East New York, Brownsville, and Cypress Hills, a few statistics. These neighborhoods are among the highest, have the highest rates of infant mortality in New York City. Brownsville has the highest rate of premature mortality, death for adults before the age of 65. And Brownsville has the second highest rate of psychiatric hospitalizations in the city. In exactly the way you said that, uh, even infant mortality and even a number of the um, uh, child well-being statistics, uh, that same area um, uh, shows up very poorly. So, uh, you know, our hope is that we can really begin thinking generationally about uh, about what we're doing, not just treat today's problems, um, but, but help families and their kids. Uh, learn uh, better ways to feel better about themselves uh, and and uh, and their health. And one of the real pioneering studies of a number of uh, of years ago now that's been repeated. So it's it's sound science. is called the Adverse Childhood Experiences Study um, that uh, that showed one of the strongest predictors of adult physical health problems were adverse childhood experiences. So things like um, uh, violence, uh, it, whether that's in the community or in a family, uh, whether it's alcoholism in the family, any one of a myriad of those kinds of things, uh, one might not be surprised to think that uh, that a, a youngster that experienced that might have some emotional problems later in life. But that study showed over and over again that uh, that was also one of the strongest predictors of adult physical health problems. So if we can begin to address some of those early events in uh, in kids and their families' lives, we can have generational impact for people. We're speaking with David Woodlock. He's the president and CEO of Institute for Community Living, ICL. ICL offers 100 different programs serving individuals with varying degrees of need, helping people diagnosed with serious mental illness, substance abuse, or developmental disabilities move towards independence. You can find out more at ICLinc, I-N-C, ICLinc.net. You listen to Get Connected on 106.7 Light FM. I'm Nina Del Rio. And among those programs, David, what's the most vital program you think you have? You know, I, in some ways, I think it's an approach rather than a particular um, uh, a particular program. And uh, w- one of our, uh, uh, really our greatest partner in this at the end of the day is the Community Health Care Network, who provides the physical health care at the hub, while ICL provides um, the behavioral health supports and family resource kinds of supports. Um, my view is really that uh, our health care system, and I mean that in the broadest definition, that's really upside down meaning the more complex and the more complicated your 
your needs are, the harder it is to get those services. Um, uh, so if you have psychological problems and diabetes and COPD uh, and who knows what else, you end up having to go to 15 different places to get your health care addressed. Um, and what happens for an awful lot of people, particularly in distressed communities that, that often already feel overwhelmed by all of the challenges in their life, they don't follow up on a lot of those things. They get sicker and sicker. Um, uh, and one of the things we know about, particularly about people with serious mental illness, is, is that they die 25 years earlier than the general population from otherwise preventable chronic diseases. And I think in the general population now, moving even away from those with serious mental illness, we're seeing some of these emerging labels like diseases of despair, whether that's the opioid crisis or or some references to um, uh, the psychological meaning of, of overeating and their explosion of, uh, of, of obesity. All of those are tied together really by living with, with chronic distress. Uh, so I think between uh, our ability uh, to meet people's uh, psychological and, uh, and substance abuse needs and community health care's ability to um, meet their physical health needs, and as importantly, because uh, there, there is more and more emerging in the health care literature around this idea of what's called integrated uh, care, more often than not, it's really, uh, I would say, uh, services co-located. So you you may have a mental health professional across the hall or down the hall or upstairs or downstairs. What what I think is fundamentally unique about the hub is, is that our commitment, both from uh, Community Health Care Network and ourselves, to really have a, a sense of a, a sense of a shared responsibility for everybody that walks in the door, so that it's not just um, okay, you can go there for this and there for that. Uh, it's that we'll all be asking uh, about. Um, people's physical well-being. We'll all be asking about their psychological well-being. We'll all be asking about if their kids are okay and those kinds of things. So we've got mental health therapists uh, in some ways um, out of character asking about people's blood pressure and when the last time they saw their, their primary care doctor might be. Um, and the, the, uh, the health care professionals at the, in the primary care setting uh, are asking about people's psychological well-being and their parenting skills and uh, and their nutritional um, uh, abilities and if they've got enough food at home. So our real hope is that um, we can tie um, people's physical well-being, their psychological well-being to this uh, new idea, which is not new to most of us that have been um, on the ground taking care of people, uh, in the healthcare literature called the social determinants of healthcare, meaning the things that influence people's poor health outcomes that transcend sort of just the doctor-patient relationship, and that's things like nutrition and, and in many ways, psychological well-being, uh, access to healthy food, uh, recreation, exercise, and a lot of those other kinds of things. Um, so I, I think our our holistic approach, trying to tie together all three of those of those uh, domains, particularly by the way, focused on how common uh, traumatic experiences are in people's lives in distressed communities that cause. Uh, would cause any of us uh, a great deal of of, uh, of psychological and emotional distress, and how do we weave all of that together in a way that, from the from the patient's point of view, really feels seamless and all part of the same experience? You've been working in this field for some time, as you said, you worked for the government even for some time. What motivated you personally to become involved in mental health? 
Well, a good question. I, you know, I don't know that there's a singular answer to that. It really started with uh, uh, a deep affection for uh, for kids, uh, and uh, early on in my college experience, uh, was was working in some inner city programs um, uh, for troubled or uh, very young uh, children, and um, uh, connected and saw them uh, get better under under some pretty remarkable uh, circumstances, uh, and. Um, uh, came to believe that we uh, we could be doing an awful lot more uh, than we were uh, at that time, and um, so over the years uh, have uh, have come to believe if we can really listen to people and um, and understand what they need and uh, and put things together that in some ways the hub really embodies in a in a physical way. Uh, put things together for people that are what they believe they need uh, rather than others sort of deciding that too often. I think um, uh, I think uh, people get better, uh, and we've certainly seen that. And, uh, and over the years, um, uh, I, I guess I've gotten enough reinforcement from the, uh, from the opportunities I've had over the years to, to live that, that uh, it's kept me going and, uh, and uh, kept reinforcing itself over and over again. The Hub has been open for just over one month, maybe almost two months. What's been the response from the community so far? You know, it's been really positive, and one of the, um, uh, for me personally, a really uh, um, lovely experiences was, uh, as I mentioned, we probably met over time with 250 residents of, of that area uh, long before the doors opened to to listen to them about what they felt like they needed, um, what was going to be different uh, at the hub than maybe they had experienced before, and 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 even solicited their input in the in the design of the building. Um, and as it started to um, uh, turn from a hole in the ground to an actual building, uh, listen to some of the community residents there saying things like, look, our building's going up, you know, not ICL's building, but our building. Um, so the sense of ownership uh, and that uh, this was something that was uh, for the community, not uh, sort of given to or uh, or or. or foisted upon them, but uh, something that people believed uh, was, was theirs uh, was really important. And, and the community has been very supportive. Um, one lifelong resident um, uh, said early on in this process that, uh, you know, we've been having discussions around some needing something like this in this community forever. Uh, and what was always missing was an ICL, which on one hand was um, uh, incredibly uh, uh, positive thing, and on the other hand was an enormous responsibility because if, uh, mm-hmm. if people are putting their trust in us like that, um, you know, we're, we're going to have to darn sure make sure we deliver for everybody. David Woodlock is the president and CEO of Institute for Community Living. You can find out more at iclinc.net. Thanks for joining us on Get Connected. Well, my pleasure, Nina. This has been Get Connected with Nina Del Rio on 106.7 Light FM. The views and opinions of our guests do not necessarily reflect the views of the station. If you missed any part of our show or want to share it, visit our website for downloads and podcasts at 1067lightfm.com. Thanks for listening. Lucky 
Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.